0: Father God, we are incredibly humbled to approach your throne of grace. Father, we do so with confidence though because of what Jesus has done for us and because we are sealed with your spirit. And Father, we pray that uh, tonight and every day of our lives that you will help us to walk by the spirit, that you help us to see just how wonderful you are. Help us, Father, to be overwhelmed uh, by your presence, by your character, by your grace, by your mercy by your covenant of love that you have made with us through Jesus. And Father, we pray that as we contemplate even more your attributes and your character, we pray, Father, that you help us to be humbled before you, that you would help us to walk in obedience and in faith and in devotion. Father, thank you so very much for everyone who is gathered here tonight in person and online, and we pray that you bless them and that you bless their families and that you bless our time together. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Okay, well, tonight we are going to talk about something that I honestly didn't really want to talk about. When I saw it coming on the schedule, I kind of thought, maybe I could skip that lesson and we'll just move on to something else. Uh, But we're going to talk about the jealousy of God, that God is a jealous God. Uh, So as we typically do, let's start with a, a discussion question. And our discussion question first is this, is what are some things that someone else might have... Because that's typically what, uh, what we think of when we think of jealousy, right? Uh, when we think about something that someone else has over which we could feel jealous. What is something that someone else could have over which we might feel jealous? What's that? Talent. talent, yes, absolutely, a talent, yeah. So we might feel jealous of someone else's talent. Somebody else has an ability or a talent that we don't have, and we could feel jealous that they have that talent or ability. What else? Absolutely. Houses, cars, things, stuff, right? Yeah, absolutely. Jealous of the things that people have that we don't have. Money. Money. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Relationships. Relationships. Absolutely. Absolutely. For sure. In ministry, I've, I don't know how many times I've, I've visited with people over the years that uh, are not married and want to be married and they have a hard time not being jealous of those who are married. Um, And and then sometimes maybe you are married but you look at somebody else's marriage and you think I wish I had a marriage like theirs and you feel jealous of their relationship, you might have a similar relationship but it may not be as strong or as good or as healthy and you're jealous of the strength of somebody else's relationship or that somebody else has kids and you don't have kids and so you're jealous of, of the relationships that they have and you don't, what else? intelligence absolutely yeah we talked about skill or talent but but yeah we might be jealous of somebody else's intelligence why how come they can think of those things and i can't think of those things how come they're smarter than i am and and they can do that and i can't yeah what else might we be jealous of from someone else what about what about in within our relationships sometimes we might think about jealousy within a relationship why might why might someone be jealous within a relationship? What might cause feelings of jealousy within a relationship? Say somebody's dating somebody else, right? What, why might a boyfriend feel jealous um, in a relationship with his girlfriend or a girlfriend feel jealous with her, with her boyfriend or even in a marriage relationship? Why might somebody have feelings of jealousy? Insecure, okay, yeah, absolutely. So maybe there's insecurity, and so maybe maybe that there's there's a feeling like maybe they're giving more attention to someone else that, that I wish they were giving to me. How come they're paying more attention to that person than, than they are me? So we might, we might feel jealous about time or attention or even affection. How come they're giving that affection to them? Or how come someone else is giving time or attention or affection to the person I love and, and they're not getting that from me, right? Anything else you could think of? Why else might we feel jealous? Attention from others, attention from others. absolutely, yeah. So why, why are they getting all of the attention and, and I'm not getting that attention? Absolutely. You can feel like that and, and, and a lot of these things go hand in hand, like the talent or ability thing might go hand in hand with uh, the the attention so because they're talented um, and maybe it's we want their talent or maybe it's we want the attention that their talent is bringing to them, and we're not getting that that attention or those accolades or that fame or that fortune, and that might play into the the stuff and the money and so all of these things may may overlap each other, and we have these feelings of other people have this, or this person has that, and I want that. I want it to be mine, and, and I, I don't understand why they have it, and I don't. So let me ask you this question. Is jealousy good, or is jealousy bad? What do you think? It can be good, because it makes us aspire to do better, to do more, to get where they are. Okay, absolutely. okay so yeah, so it might be a motivating thing, so, so it might be good in that sense, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I kind of already tipped my hand, didn't I? In that we're talking about the attributes of God. And and so, yes, yeah, so obviously God is a jealous God. And so that's, that's a good thing. Whatever quality or characteristic he has, it's a good thing. Uh, but at the same time, uh, we also know that it can be bad, can't it? In fact, it's often listed in these lists of sins and uh, works of the flesh, like Galatians chapter 5. Jealousy is called a work of the flesh. So jealousy can be a sinful thing a sinful thing, but it also can be something that's positive. So how can that be something that is a positive attribute of God, God is a jealous God, but at the same time be a negative thing and a work of the flesh? In fact, a lot of people have really struggled with this. And in our book that, that we're, we're going through right now, one story that was uh, relayed and it actually came up again in some of my study this week is that Oprah actually s- struggled in her faith because because of this right here. She was listening to a sermon one time and and the preacher talked about how uh, God is a jealous God. And she was like, well, that doesn't make sense because jealousy is bad. And so I don't really want to believe in a God that that is jealous. So if if jealousy is a bad thing, then, then God shouldn't be jealous. And if God is jealous, then I don't want to believe in a God like that. And so a lot of us struggle with this idea about what does it mean that God is a jealous God? What is God's jealousy? How can God's jealousy be good But most of the time, our jealousy is not good. It's not healthy, and in fact, it can even be sinful. So how can that be? And before we even get into that and explaining that, I want to be really clear that I don't want to apologize for God's jealousy. In fact, as I said in the beginning, I started off with this lesson thinking, I really don't want to teach this lesson because it's kind of hard to teach and hard to even think about. Uh, But I don't want to apologize for the jealousy of God because the more I thought about this and the more I studied about it, I actually think that this is something, just like every other lesson we've had in this series, that, that really highlights the love of God a, a, an aspect of God that is so good and so beautiful and so lovely and so wonderful that I think it's another thing that draws us even closer to God. So God's jealousy is not only not something to shy away from or certainly not to apologize for, but it's actually a part of him loving his People And that's what it's all about. So let's say it this way. Jealousy is a strong emotional reaction towards someone or something. In fact, both in the Hebrew and in the Greek, sometimes the word that we translate as jealousy can also be translated as zeal. So zeal is part of this idea. In fact, Really, the idea of jealousy is just having a really strong emotion. In fact, it's even tied to the idea of your face turning a different color. Right? It's like the blood is rushing to your face because you have such a strong emotion towards someone or something. And when we're talking about zeal, zeal is a passionate commitment or dedication, right? Zeal means there's nothing else in the whole world that really means anything to me except this. Right now, this thing or this person, this is everything I care about. This is my whole world. It's my whole field of vision. It's all that I care about. And so you can kind of see how there's overlap between zeal and, on the other hand, jealousy, right? Because jealousy is about a desire to have something or keep something to yourself, right? So zeal is sort of the positive side of it. I'm I'm passionate about this. I'm committed to this. I'm dedicated to this. And then jealousy, on the other hand, is sort of the defensive side of it or the negative side of it that says, I want to keep this to myself. I want to defend this for myself. I, I want this to be mine, right? So jealousy and zealousy, that's not a word, but being, being a zealous and also being jealous, they, these ideas go hand in hand. One is sort of the positive side of it, the, the desire for something, the commitment to something, and then zealous is, or rather jealous is the sort of protective side of it. And I want us to kind of walk through and understand when it's appropriate to be jealous And when it's not only inappropriate to be jealous, but also sinful to be jealous. And as we talk about when it's appropriate and when it's not appropriate, I think we'll see why it's appropriate that God is a jealous God. Look at Exodus chapter 20 and verse 1. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 1. And I think we'll see right off the the bat why God's jealousy is so different from most of the time jealousy is manifested in our heart and in our life. So in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 1, of course this is God giving the Ten Commandments to the people of Israel. And the Ten Commandments are part of God's covenant with Israel, right? God's covenant with Israel. In fact, you could think of the law or even the Ten Commandments as sort of a a breaking down of or a a summary of the law itself as the the terms of the contract, right? These are the terms of the contract, the terms of the covenant. Here's what God is going to do for you and here's what God expects of you. So it's Israel and God getting married and making a covenant with one another. God making a covenant with Israel saying, now you are my bride. You are my wife. You are my covenant partner. And we are going to be together. And here's what I expect of you. Look at Exodus chapter 20 and verse 1. God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. So most of the time we find God's jealousy being highlighted. It's in contrast to idolatry, right? Because your love, and your devotion as the people of Israel belongs to God and should not be given to any idol. So don't worship any idols. I'm your God. They're not your God, right? I'm your husband. They're not your husband. These are not your covenant partners. These idols are not your covenant partner, Yahweh God is your covenant partner. You shall not bow, verse five, you shall not bow down to them or serve them for I the Lord your God am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. So what we're gonna find as we go throughout these passages is that jealousy is only appropriate within the context of a covenant. Jealousy is really only appropriate when it's in the context of a covenant. Why? Because when you're jealous, you're saying, this this thing, this belongs to me. Not belongs to me in the sense of it's just a, a possession or something like that, but it belongs to me by covenant. It belongs to me by contract. We made an agreement. And because we made an agreement, because we have a covenant with one another, this belongs to me. So in the context of Israel and God, it's that their worship and their devotion and their steadfast love, look what he says, those who love me and keep my commandments. That's what God expects from them, right? I want you to love me. I want you to be devoted to me. I want you to be committed to me. I want you to keep my commandments, your obedience, your devotion, your love. It belongs to me. So if you give it to some other God who is not really a God, that's unfaithfulness. And and of course, God is going to be jealous. And so God, God made this covenant with Israel, which means that there is exclusivity, right? It's about exclusivity. It's about saying... Israel, you're, you're the only one. You're the only one that God was picking, the only one God was choosing. Now, of course, in Christ, we've, we've become the new Israel, right? And we are God's covenant people. But when you think back to the Old Testament, it's Israel. And God picks Israel. He could have picked any nation in the world, any group of people in the world, any kingdom in the world, but he picks Israel and he says, you're my special people. And I'm going to have a relationship with you that is exclusive in this way. I'm going to love you in a different way and treat you in a different way. I'm not going to treat you the way everybody else gets treated. I'm going to protect you I'm going to watch over you. I'm going to provide for you in a way that I don't protect and provide for everybody else. I'm going to have a special relationship with you. And because my relationship with you is exclusive, your relationship with me has to be exclusive, right? Now, there are some things that we share and we're supposed to share. There are things that God shares with all people. And there are some things that we share with everybody. But then there are other things that are not supposed to be shared that are supposed to be exclusive. And and, and the best comparison to that is the the love between, the married love between a a husband and a wife, right? Because of the covenant that they have with one another. Now, it would be inappropriate for a spouse to, to be jealous that her husband or his wife is talking to someone else, right? That's inappropriate because our conversation can be shared, right? We can share conversation. We can share time with other people. We don't have a covenant that says, your time and your conversation belongs exclusively to me, right? There's no marriage like that. But sometimes we can inappropriately be jealous over things that are appropriate to share. But a spouse is appropriately jealous when the type of love that is supposed to be exclusive between the husband and wife is shared with someone else. So it's inappropriate for a spouse to be jealous because two people were talking, but it's appropriate to be jealous because the spouse is giving their love, their devotion, their sexuality to someone else because that is supposed to be exclusively committed to the spouse. And that is the best way to understand God's covenant relationship with Israel. That's how God explains his covenant relationship with Israel is to say, you are my people, and I am your God exclusively. You don't get to share the worship and devotion you have for me with other gods. And they tried that all the time. It wasn't like they, there was ever a point in time where they're like, yeah, we're, we're done with Yahweh. Like, we want a divorce from Yahweh. We want a divorce from the God who brought us out of Egypt and brought us into the promised land. We want to we be done with him. No. They never, they never declared a divorce. They never said, we want to be done with God. But they did try to share their devotion with God and with other gods, right? And is that okay? Of course not. No more okay than it would be in the context of a marriage, because that is supposed to be exclusively yours. Exclusively, this is supposed to belong to God. A, a silly example, like in a business sense, and this doesn't really get it because it's not relational the way our covenant relationship is with God. But I was thinking today, well, what's another example? There's very few other examples, but if you signed a contract when I bought my house, technically the bank bought my house on my behalf, right? And so I signed a contract though that said this house I'm going to exclusively occupy it. And even though the bank has some say in it, if I came to my house and they said, actually, we decided to lease it to this guy too. And and there's gonna be this other family that lives in your back bedroom and and, and we hope you're okay with that. No, I'm not okay with that because I'm not sharing this, right? We had a covenant with each other that this was going to be exclusively mine. When a, a man and a woman get married, there are things that they are saying, this is exclusively yours. And it won't be shared with anyone else. And when God made a covenant with Israel, he said, I am exclusively yours and you are exclusively mine. So there are things you don't give to anybody else or to anything else. You don't give the worship and devotion and an allegiance that you are supposed to give to me to anybody else. And the moment you do, it's unfaithfulness. It's adultery. It is being a prostitute because you're selling the thing that's supposed to be mine. You're selling it for protection, for food, for whatever it is that you're hoping to get out of that other relationship. Look at Exodus chapter 34. Now, God had to give them the Ten Commandments again. Do you remember why? Because after Moses got the Ten Commandments the first time, then he goes down and, and what are the people of Israel doing? worshiping another God, right? I mean, it didn't take them very long at all. And they were like, okay, we, we need something to worship, someone to worship. And they start to give their covenant devotion to someone other than Yahweh. And it makes Moses angry. And he throws down the tablets. And of course, it has to be redone. Look at Exodus chapter 34 and verse 10. And he said, behold, I am making a covenant before all your people. I will do marvels such as has not been created in all the earth or in any nation, and all the people among whom you are are, shall see the work of the Lord, for it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. So again, he says, you're mine, and everybody else is going to see God treats Israel differently than all the other nations. God has an exclusive relationship with them. Now, that's not to say that it was so exclusive that other people couldn't be joined to Israel because all along the story, even up until the time of Christ, there were all kinds of people, including their first battle at Jericho. You remember Rahab and her family? They're like, you and God have something going. You have some sort of special relationship and we want to be part of what you have with God. And so it wasn't exclusive to the, in the sense that other people couldn't join themselves to Israel, but it was exclusive to say God doesn't give the kind of protection and the kind of providence. He doesn't provide for other peoples like he does for Israel. And he expects them to be committed to him in the same kind of exclusive way. So jealousy is only appropriate in the context of covenant. When two people have agreed, this belongs exclusively to you. Now, can can we see, and this is kind of stepping out of the lesson for a second, but can we see why our sort of jealousy is so inappropriate sometimes? If I'm jealous, like, that person has so much more talent than me, and, and they get all of this attention, and they get fame, and they get money, and they get stuff, or this person is more beautiful than I am, or this person, whatever, and we're jealous of those things, can we see how inappropriate that is? Because we don't have any exclusive claim on those things. That That doesn't... Other people's attention doesn't belong to us by covenant, right? And so we're trying to lay claim to something that we really don't have any claim to. And do we see the the path that that can lead to and how that leads to bitterness and resentment and sometimes it can even lead to violence? If we're not careful, we, we can go down a very dark path because we're trying to lay claim to something that really doesn't belong to us. It's appropriate for God to feel jealous of his his people's worship and devotion because that belongs to him exclusively. But it's not appropriate for us to be jealous of things that don't belong to us by covenant. And in fact, even the things that we think of as, well, that does belong to me. That's my house or that's my car or that's my stuff. And so I'm jealous when other people have more of it or take mine or use mine. But wait, it's not exclusively ours, is it? I mean, we're supposed to share some of our things, aren't we? And so jealousy can very quickly lead to greed, right? So we say, not only do I want to hang on to everything I've worked for and everything that's been given to me and all of my stuff, but in fact, I want to accumulate more so that I can keep up with the Joneses, so to speak, over here, and I want to have more stuff so that I can compete with them. But we forget that we're supposed to be sharing these things. We're supposed to be generous with these things. These things don't belong exclusively to us. Look at verse 11. Observe what I command you this day. Behold, I will drive out before you the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Take care lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land to to which you go, lest it become a snare in your midst. You shall tear down their altars and break their pillars and cut down their asherim. Jealousy is only appropriate when it comes from a spirit of generosity. God's covenant with Israel wasn't for his own sake. And see, that's another place where sometimes our jealousy shows how fleshly it is. Because most of the time we're jealous, we're jealous because I'm not getting what I want. When God is jealous, he's jealous because his Protection and his providing is what is best for these people. His covenant relationship is what is best for Israel. He says, I'm going to drive out these other people. I'm going to take care of all of your enemies. I'm going to provide you with milk and honey, with with fruit that is big as your head. I'm going to provide you with so much stuff and so many blessings and so many good things because you're my people. Just trust me and I will take care of you. Just trust me and I will bless you. And God knows that if they start to say, well... Yeah, I mean, maybe he will, but it wouldn't hurt to have a few gods on the side over here. It wouldn't hurt to have a few gods that maybe they could provide something that Yahweh isn't going to provide, and maybe they can protect me, and, you know, they all worship the Baals, and they all worship the Asherahs, and so maybe we ought to have a few idols just in case, just to cover all of our bases, make sure we're praying to everybody's God, make sure that we're being provided for. God says, no, doesn't work like that. You can't be married to me and then be married to all of these other gods. You can't look to me to provide for you and protect you if you're also looking for them to provide for you and protect you. It doesn't work that way. Either you belong exclusively to me and my, your allegiance and devotion belong exclusively to me or you're trying to cover all your bases. And if you try to cover all your bases, it's not going to be in your best interest because then you're gonna be like everybody else. And you're going to have what everybody else has. And it's not going to be good for you. God's jealousy is generous. God wants what is best for his people. And he knows that an exclusive relationship with him is what is best for anybody. And that you're not going to get what you get from God from anybody else. And if you try, it's going to be to your detriment and your destruction. See, and again, our jealousy is nothing like that, is it? We want someone else's affection and we want somebody else's attention or we want somebody else's stuff because of our own self-interest. But God's jealousy isn't motivated by his own self-interest. God's jealousy is motivated by his love. God's jealousy is holy. God's jealousy is loving. God's jealousy is generous. He wants what's best for his people and what's best for his people is an exclusive relationship with him. Keep reading, verse 14. For you shall worship no other God, for the Lord whose name is jealous this is his name, El Cana. The Lord is jealous. For the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land and when they whore after their gods and sacrifice to their gods and you are invited, you eat of, their, of his sacrifice and you take of their daughters for your sons and their daughters whore after their gods and make your sons whore after their gods. You see, jealousy is appropriate within a covenant relationship. And within a covenant relationship, when you give what exclusively belongs to your spouse, what exclusively belongs to your covenant partner, when you give that to someone else, it's whoredom, it's adultery, it's unfaithfulness. And of course, the covenant partner is going to be jealous. Jealousy is only appropriate when it refuses to share what ought not to be shared. Let me say it the other way. Jealousy is inappropriate when it refuses to share what should be shared, right? If I'm jealous because I don't wanna share attention, If I'm jealous because I don't want to share money, if I'm jealous because I don't want to share stuff that ought to be shared, that's an inappropriate jealousy. But if I'm jealous because I don't want to share what ought not to be shared, what belongs to me by covenant, and again, one of the few places that's true is within a marriage. I don't want to share what belongs to me by covenant, what should not be shared, and neither does God, because that's not what's in the best interest of his people. So jealousy is only appropriate when it refuses to share what ought not to be shared. So let's sum this up. God's jealousy, number one, is felt and expressed in the context of covenant, covenant. And again, this is why God's jealousy is so beautiful because he makes covenant with people and he doesn't force anybody into covenant, right? He doesn't force anybody into covenant. And as as his people today As those who are his covenant people, by his grace, through the sacrifice of Jesus, God never forced any of us to be in covenant with him, did he? We all decided, if we're Christians, we decided, I I want to be in covenant with God through Jesus. I want the blood of Jesus to wash away my sins. I want to receive what he's giving, and I want to give myself to him. I want to belong exclusively to him. I want to give myself totally and completely to this God. And you, you chose to do that. He didn't force you to do that. And so God's jealousy is felt, which that's an amazing thing too. God is an emotion in it. And then number two, it comes from a spirit of loving generosity. God knows that what's in your best interest is an exclusive relationship with him. God knows that what's in your best interest is an exclusive relationship with him. And he loves you. And that's what he wants for you. He doesn't want you to spread out your devotion. I'll give a little bit over here and a little bit over there and I'll give a little bit over here because that's not what's in your best interest. What's in your best interest is to be exclusively, totally, completely committed to him. And it's his loving generosity that says, I don't want you to give that love and devotion to anybody else or anything else because it will hurt you. It will destroy you. It will destroy you to spread out your love. It will destroy you to spread out your devotion. Unless it belongs to me, if, unless I'm your only God, it will destroy you. Number three, God's jealousy refuses to share what ought not to be shared. What should belong exclusively to him, God will not share that. Y- you can decide to give it to someone else or to give it to something else. But in that case, God says, I'm out. I'm out. If you're going to give your worship and your devotion and your allegiance to someone else or something else because you think they can provide something that I can't, then I'm out. That's what his jealousy does. It refuses to share what ought not to be shared. God will share your time. God will share your energy. God will share your conversation. He doesn't want you just to talk exclusively to him. He's going to share lots of things, but there are certain things that God will not share that ought not to be shared. And if you, if you demand to be able to share it, God says, I'm out. Then I'm not your God. Then you have some other God. Look at Matthew chapter 6. We'll see how this kind of works itself out in the New Testament. Here's what Jesus says. Same concept, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24. Because we don't, let me stop there for just a second. We, we don't, in our modern context, we don't, most of us, I don't know very many people, although it, it's true in our, our community to some extent, but most of us don't struggle with idolatry in setting up a, a graven image of some God and giving our worship and devotion to that. But you don't have to set up an idol to be idolatrous. You don't have to set up an idol to be idolatrous. You don't have to have a graven image in order to give your love and devotion and worship to someone other than God. Look at what Jesus says, Matthew 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Money, treasure. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is like a personification of treasure. You can't. You either hate the one and love the other, be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't say, well, I love God and I'm devoted to God and, (laughs) stop, whatever the and is, whatever the and is, it doesn't belong in the same category. We have to be so careful because I hear this kind of thing all of the time. We, we say this kind of thing all the time, don't we? Well, I'm devoted to God and I'm devoted to whatever. Stop, wait, make that a different sentence. Put that in a different category. Because even if you are devoted, I'm devoted to God and I'm devoted to my spouse, yes, but we almost need a different word. Whatever, whatever that is, my devotion to my spouse or my devotion to my children or my devotion to whatever else, it should be a different word. We need a different category. Because it cannot be God and blank. It can't be God and blank. Jesus says you can't have two masters. You can only have one, one, one. God wants your exclusive devotion. So that category in our mind where we say, I am zealous, zealous, For God. I am zealous for His kingdom. I am zealous for His righteousness. I want to be where He is and do what pleases Him, and I want to have that sort of exclusive relationship with Him. That has to be in a category all its own. And yes, there are things that are sort of under that umbrella, because I am that devoted to my God, because I'm that devoted to who he is, and being where he is, and doing what he wants me to do, because of that, I do these other things, but the overarching principle, not on the same level as, but the overarching principle is my devotion to God, that's the way it has to be, it's not God and these other things, it's God, period, And then because we are devoted to God, then we also love and serve our spouse. Then we also love and serve our children. But it's because of our devotion to God. That devotion to God has to be in a category all its own. And Jesus hits it right between the eyes here, doesn't he? Because our our primary struggle, our primary struggle is not between God and Satan. It's not between God and Baal. It's not between God and the Asherah pole. Our primary struggle is between God and mammon, God and treasure, because we think, you know what, I know money doesn't buy happiness, but it sure makes life really secure, and I really got to have all of that stuff, right? And we say, yes, I I need God, and I trust God, and I'm devoted to God, but I also need to be devoted to my stuff, and Jesus says, stop, you can't have two masters, keep reading, Verse 25, Therefore, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Again, God's jealousy that says, only one, only one master, only one Lord, only one God. It's out of a spirit of generosity. He feeds you. He takes care of you. He feeds all of his creation. Look at verse 28. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Zealous, right? Zealous and jealous go, go hand in hand. Don't they? We, we have to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then trust that our heavenly father out of his spirit of generosity will take care of us, will give us life will give us life in abundance. We'll take care of our needs so that we don't put our devotion to stuff, to security in the same category as our devotion to God. And that word there, security, most of the time, I would say most of the time, for a lot of us, our unfaithfulness to God is not, after, it's not because we're seeking pleasure Most of us, it's not because we're seeking pleasure. That's true for a lot of people, but probably most of us in this room, most of our unfaithfulness to God is not because we're seeking pleasure. It's because we're seeking security. And most of the time, most of the time throughout Israel's history, it was the same thing. We think, oh, they're they're just worshiping all these idols. Why? Because they were terrified. They were terrified that there were armies that were going to come and destroy them. And so they wanted to worship anybody that would give them security. And God says, don't you trust me? Don't you trust me? And we give our allegiance and our devotion and our commitment to all kinds of things because we're scared and we want security. And so we're seeking that. And Jesus says, stop and seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and our heavenly father will take care of you. So I know this is a silly statement, but I I, I wanna say it because maybe some of it will stick in our head. When you're zealous, God has no reason to be jealous, right? When you're zealous, when you have that kind of totally committed passion to God, to seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, then God has no reason to be jealous. God has no reason to be jealous. Just like a committed spouse, when a spouse is committed, that their spouse isn't going to be jealous of them, right? If it's a healthy relationship, if you're zealous, God has no reason to be jealous. But sharing your devotion provokes his emotion. Sharing your devotion provokes his emotion and of course it does why wouldn't it he wants your devotion and just like just like with the spouse I mean what would you think if if there was a spouse that when their husband or wife cheated on them were adulterous were were unfaithful to them and the spouse says I you know whatever what are you gonna do who cares it's, it's not a big deal you know whatever they, they they make their own choices I don't mind what no, that's not the way you're supposed to feel in that situation. That is exclusively something that belongs to the two of you by covenant. You don't share what belongs to you by covenant. So, of course, that's going to provoke emotion. And of course, when we give our devotion to something else or to someone else, it provokes God's emotion. It provokes God's jealousy. But I want to, I want to end with 2 Corinthians. Chapter 11, because Paul says something here that I just couldn't help but, but tack on the end here. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1, he says to the church at Corinth, I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness. Do bear with me, for I feel a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. He says, I feel a divine jealousy for you. I'm jealous on Jesus' behalf. It's the same thing as if, if you had a best friend, a best friend, like somebody you love like, like your own self, and, and then you went out and you saw your best friend's spouse cheating on them, you would feel jealous on their behalf, right? You would say, that's not right. I love my best friend. I love my friend. And what you're doing to them is hurting them. What you're doing to them is wrong. What you're giving and sharing with other people belongs exclusively to my friend. And that's what Paul's saying. He's saying to the church in Corinth, I feel a divine jealousy for you. I feel jealous on Jesus' behalf because you're giving what should belong to Jesus to others. And I feel jealous on Jesus' behalf because he's my friend. And you're supposed to be totally, completely committed to him. Pure Verse 3, but I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Your devotion to Christ is supposed to be sincere and pure, not deluded and shared and given to others, but purely devoted to Christ. For if someone comes and proclaims, listen to this, another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. He's so mad. He is so frustrated. Not because they're worshiping some false god by a false god's name, but because they're worshiping another Jesus by the name of Jesus. And we do the same thing too, don't we? We have this tendency to create our own Jesus or to accept another Jesus, to accept a version of Jesus that is not the version of Jesus that is reality, to accept a Jesus that agrees with all of our political ideology, right, to accept whether you're, whatever place you find yourself on the political spectrum, we all have a tendency to create a Jesus that says, yeah, that's exactly how I think too, and we give our devotion to that Jesus and not the Jesus of scripture, We have this tendency to create this Jesus that never calls us to repent. He's always telling us, Wes, you're right, but whatever you think and whatever you believe and whatever you're doing, you're right. Just keep doing that. That's what the Jesus of our own mind, of our own thinking does. This alternative Jesus, he never calls us to repent. He never says we're wrong. He never calls us to change. He just affirms us and agrees with us and says, just keep doing what you're doing. And Paul says, somebody comes and presents a different gospel or you receive a different spirit, or you hear about another Jesus and you, you accept it. You go along with it. And he says, it burns me up on behalf of Jesus. I feel a divine jealousy for you because you are giving your love and devotion that should be exclusively belonging to the real Jesus. You're giving it to another Jesus. So that's where I want us to end tonight. Many Christians are having a devotional affair with an alternative Jesus. Isn't that true? Don't we tend to do that? To give our devotion, something that should belong exclusively to Jesus of Nazareth, who is the Christ, the Messiah, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Our devotion, our allegiance, our commitment should belong exclusively to him but we have accepted other cultural Jesuses that agree with us, that we like better, or just because we don't know the real Jesus, because we haven't spent enough time in the scriptures, because we haven't listened to him, we can't recognize him, we don't know him, and so we've given our devotion to alternative Jesus, and it is unfaithfulness. And Paul would say to me and to you and to us today, in our context, the same thing he said to the Corinthian church. I feel a divine jealousy when we give our devotion that should be purely committed to Jesus to others. So we need to to look in the mirror, don't we? Because again, I'm very attracted to the jealousy of our God that says, I love you so much. I want to be in an exclusive, committed relationship with these people with you, my people. I wanna be in an exclusive relationship where I give something special to you and where you give something special exclusively to me. But as much as that attracts me, it also humbles me. It rebukes me, it admonishes me because it asks me, Wes, are you giving that kind of devotion to our Lord or are you trying to share it with others because it ought not to be shared when it belongs exclusively? Yeah. Let's pray. Most holy Father, you are indeed a holy God, and you have called us to be your people. You have invited us to be in covenant relationship with you. And Father, it overwhelms us, and we are so thankful to be in that covenant relationship with you through Jesus. But Father, our hearts have a tendency to stray, and we have a tendency to give our love and devotion and commitment and worship and allegiance to others because we seek pleasure or because we seek affirmation, because we seek security and safety. Father, for many reasons, we need to be reminded that we can only find the true blessings in you. And Father, may we be zealous for your kingdom. May we be zealous for your ways. May our hearts and our minds and our lives and our bodies be holy and completely committed to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.